let me read the text. We'll get it out before us, and then we'll walk through uh, the text together. The Scripture says, I have revealed, this is Jesus praying to the Father, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me, they have received them, and have known for certain that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction so that the Scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you that I, as I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by truth. Now, as Jesus prays for these leaders to come, we see all throughout Scripture uh, Paul and Peter requesting prayer for themselves. So it's not, this, this is not out of the ordinary. This is something that's going to be a theme of the New Testament, that we need to be in prayer for those whom God has called to lead us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 that uh, he says, I, don't be unaware of all of the calamity that came on us in, in Asia while we were there. We were going through some of the worst times. It looked like we were going to die. But you helped us as you joined in praying for us. And so that's the plea that I have for you today is that God would burden your hearts to be in prayer for your pastors, for your leaders. Why do we pray for our church leaders? I think that that's what we see here in the first three or four verses, verses six through nine. Jesus lays it out. We pray for them first and foremost because they are called by God. There, anybody that is truly a pastor, if he's a pastor of a church or, or God has placed him in a leadership role as an associate pastor or he's serving in some type of ministry work, if he is not, if he is truly God's leader, he has been called by God. He is not there because he chose the position. He's there because God chose him. Matthew, Mark, Peter, none of these guys chose the ministry. Jesus chose them. I can assure you in my own personal experience not only is the, 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 the reason that I'm here today is because I believe that as a 16-year-old boy, God spoke into my heart and called me to the ministry. I'm here at First Baptist Church Watauga because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God picked me up out of First Baptist Church May and called me to be pastor here. I would not be here otherwise. And in fact, I, I think that I had one of the most unusual experiences in a job interview that most anybody would ever have. 
I sat in front of the, the pastor search committee from First Baptist Church of Watauga on the first meeting that we got together, and I looked him in the eye and I said, I don't want to be here. The only reason that I'm sitting at this table is because I believe the Spirit of God called Susan and I to meet with y'all and see where he's leading. We love our church family in May, and we don't want to leave them. I was not here by my choosing. I was placed here by God's choosing. And I want you to hear that. That's what Jesus says about these guys. He says, they were of the world, but you picked them, Father, and you gave them to me. They're, they are here because you chose them. You called them. And so that applies both to the calling and ministry, but the calling to a particular ministry. He, he goes, I am here as your pastor because God called me to you. So not only am I called of God, I'm called to serve in a particular place. God has called me and placed me here. Now, we are here on a day that is bittersweet because one of our beloved ministers who has been with us for almost 11 years, God in his sovereignty, for his purposes, has chosen to move Kevin, to place him as a pastor in another church. Kevin didn't choose that church. Kevin didn't go out looking for a new assignment. In fact, I believe that, that somebody who truly has the heart of a pastor, if you are called to a church, you stay at that church until God calls you somewhere else. You don't go sending out resumes. You don't go looking. You're called of God. And, and there's, there's truly an authority that comes with that. Now, let me put it this way, because this is one of the things I've struggled with in the past. We, we believe in, in congregational authority in the local church. I believe that the ultimate decisions for, for how, where this church goes is made by the congregation, not by one man. But we also believe in pastoral leadership. Well, if that's the case, how is the pastor going to lead if the authority rests in what happens in a business meeting tonight? There's a, there, there, there has to be a, a, a give and take there. There has to be a coming together. Because here's ultimately the case. If First Baptist Church, Wataga voted and said, we believe that God is calling Brother, Den Brother Dennis to be our pastor. And they vote unanimously to call me as their pastor. And then I come as pastor and I begin to lead a certain way. And they say, well, we don't want to go that way. What you're saying is, we believe God called you, but we ain't going to listen to what God's calling you to do. So uh, the authority to serve as a pastor in a local church first comes from the calling of God to the church, but second, that is emphasized by the church's calling of the pastor. And, and if you call me to be your pastor and you don't let me lead, then you say that you're going against God. It makes no sense whatsoever. See, tonight... Uh, I, I've done something that people kind of laughed at and thought was a, a little bit different. I asked Nathan to put together a, a bio sheet of, that had some of his qualifications on it. said, meet Nathan McKendry. A couple of guys came and looked at What do you mean? Nathan grew up here. Why do we need to meet Nathan McKendry? And I said, because not everybody understands what God has done in Nathan's life in the last five or six years to qualify him as he's calling him to this position. See, there's a lot of people here, you love Nathan, and you love his family, and, and, and you've gotten to know him, and you may vote to move him to this full-time position as youth minister because you love Nathan. 
I don't want that. If that's the reason you're voting, you're wrong. Nathan is qualified and called. And if he's not, he doesn't belong here. So Nathan asked me, he said, well, what do you want me to put on that bio? Just, you know, my, my basic bio information. I said, no, I want you to put your experience and your GPA. I want people to see what God's doing in your life so that they understand that you are qualified. Because honestly, it's hard for, for those who saw him growing up to see him as the mature man of God that he is now that I've gotten to know by working with him on staff meetings. See, we pray for our church leaders because they're called of God and they're called of God to us. They're called here. But we also pray for our church leaders because they're called to walk by faith. See, Peter and James and John, those, these 11 disciples, they left everything to step out into the unknown, to follow Christ wherever. These guys, some of them were fishermen. One of them was an accountant, a tax collector. They, they had jobs, they had families, and God called them away from what they knew to walk by faith, to put their lives on the line. If, if your pastor is following the Lord, he is walking by faith. And he needs that encouragement. He needs that support. But because just like anybody else, when you step out and walk by, walk by faith, you're not walking by sight. By definition, you can't see how it's all going to work out. And so they need you to pray that the Lord would continue to keep them focused on him and, and that they would be lifted up. And then finally, just as God has called them and God has placed them and he's told them to walk by faith, they belong to God. Now, as much as I, I know that God, I, I believe that God's called me here to be your pastor at First Baptist Church Watauga, my first overall commitment is to the Lord himself. And that's really what we're witnessing today. And I, I, I appreciate, and Kevin knows this, I, I thoroughly love and appreciate how he's gone about this transition. He did not go off somewhere and be called, come back and give a two-week notice and leave. Kevin has given you opportunity to pray for him through this journey. He began early on at first contact, really, from this other church to come to me and the other staff and ask us to pray for him, that the Lord would give him leadership, that the Lord would, would give him clarity. Because ultimately, Kevin wasn't looking to leave. Kevin was looking to obey. Because your pastors belong to God. Paul repeatedly wrote, and you see it expressed probably most clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when he said, we are servants of Christ, stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our first devotion is to be a slave to Jesus. And you don't want anything else in your leadership than that. So why do we pray? We pray for our church leaders because as Jesus says right here in verses 6 through 9, God chose them. God placed them. They belong to him. But then, through the rest of this text, I believe that we see three different kind of big categories of how we pray for our pastors. Now, the second one is going to have several subpoints under it. Uh, so stick with me. Uh, sometimes I, I, I know I'm a little bit unclear when I walk through that. But the first one is this, pray that they glorify Jesus. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, everything I have is yours. He's talking to the Father. And everything you have is mine. And I am glorified 
in them. When he's talking about what he has, when he's talking about the assets he has, he's not talking about the shirt on his back or the sandals on his feet. He's talking about those men whom God had given him to fulfill his kingdom purposes. And so he is pointing out that these men are going to glorify me, and through glorifying me, they're going to glorify you. The role of any true leader in the kingdom of God is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. He is to point to Christ. He is to be a steward of the mysteries of Christ, going back to that passage in 2 Corinthians 4.1. We are to, to make Jesus famous, to lift Jesus up, to preach His Word, not our philosophy or our ideas, and not to build our kingdom. You've seen it. You have seen men who called themselves servants of God who are more concerned about building their kingdom than they were building God's kingdom. Ultimately, we are called not to build a kingdom for ourselves because any kingdom we build is going to crumble anyway. We are called to build and to be a part of the building of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that I, I'm so grateful for what God is doing at First Baptist Church of Watauga is that he is raising up young men and young women who are going out and, and, and uh, impacting his kingdom. At the same week that Kevin let us know that he was going in view of a call to Stockdale, another young man whom God raised up in this church expressed and, and, and made it public on Facebook that God had called him to another church in South Texas, Josh Robinson. Now, y'all remember Josh. When Josh came to us, he had a sense of calling in his life. We took him on as an intern. Kevin, in fact, discipled him. But in some ways, I mean, the, the, what stands out in many of our minds is the day that Josh Robinson, who was on praise team that day, now he was working a second job as a pizza delivery guy, and he had to go to work at noon many days. And so sometimes he'd have to leave here at 11.55 to hurry to his job. And so on that day, Josh Robinson was up here on the praise team in some basketball shorts and a, and a kind of a scrubby looking t-shirt and sandals. And, and we had a lot of people look at that and go, he's called to the ministry? You know, he's called to be a pastor? Well, I want, to, I want to tell you, you know, Kevin took Josh aside the next day and talked to him and said, Josh, look, if God's called you, you're going to have to kind of dress like it, okay? It's not that you, have, you, you can't wear shorts to church, but if God's calling you in a leadership position, you're up here in a leadership position, we're entrusting you with a leadership position, there's some things that you have to learn along the way. And if you were to sit down right now with Josh Robinson and talk to him about his ministry philosophy, and what, what God has called him to do as a pastor, what God's doing in his life, you'd be blown away by the maturity of that young man. God is raising up young men and women through First Baptist Church Watauga over and over and over. And, and, and let me point it out, when Kevin came here, he came here making $500 a month as an intern to, to help lead our college ministry. That was it. And God has grown him up. Right now, the Lord has four young men that we're discipling as interns to raise them up to lead. Why? Because what matters most is not building our kingdom, but building God's kingdom. See, those four young men, and, and, and if you're counting them off, there's a couple you saw up on stage today, but we, we also have Cole and a young man named Christopher Reedus, who is a, uh, in his MDiv program at Southwestern, who I'm working with. Four young men that in the long run may not 
have any impact on whether First Baptist Church Watauga gets bigger or builds a bigger building or has a bigger budget. But I assure you that they're going to have an impact on the kingdom of God. And if our focus is to build our kingdom, our focus is wrong. We are here to glorify Jesus and to lift him up. So pray, pray that they keep their eyes on Christ and that they glorify Christ. The second big, big category here is verses 11 through 16. Pray that they remain faithful. Pray that your leaders remain faithful. This is not an easy task. Jesus says, first and foremost here, I have called them to serve in the world. I haven't called them out of the world. I haven't taken them out of the world and put them in a monastery somewhere where they can protect themselves against the messages of the world and the evils of this world. I've called them to serve in the world but not embrace the things of the world. And one of the most challenging things that you're ever going to do is serve among the lost and serve among sin and be right there wrapped up in it, surrounded by it, and keep your focus on Jesus so that you don't fall to the temptations of the enemy. We are not called to step out of the world. We are called to serve in the world. Spiritual leaders, pastors, and ministers should make it a point to have connections with the lost in this world, or you'll never have an impact on the lost of the world. And so Jesus says they are serving in the world, but Lord, protect them from the world from which they're serving. And then he, he says, pray that they be protected by your name. You see this when, when he says, Father, protect them, down in verse uh, 11, protect them by your name that you have given to me. What does that mean? We often see this, this idea of the name of God used. The name of God in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh represented the presence of God. Jesus is, is calling, he is praying to the Father that by his very presence, by his name, that, that these Men, these 11 leaders of the church would be protected. Pray that, the Holy, that, that God would place his Holy Spirit around your pastors, your leaders, that he would protect them in his presence. It's when we step out of the presence of God that we get ourselves in trouble. When we're walking in the presence of God and walking in relationship with God, we'll fulfill his kingdom purposes. Pray that they remain faithful, serving in unity with Christ and with one another. That's what's there at the end of verse 11. He says, protect them by your name that you have given me so they may remain, may be one as we are one. There is not much that can disrupt God's work in a church more quickly than if the, the leaders of the church are at odds with one another. Now, this impacts certainly at the highest level. You're, you're elders, your ministry staff, those whom God has called as your pastors, if they can't get along, if they're fussing and fighting, you're certainly not going to be able to move the church forward. But beyond that, it also impacts the, the, the relationship between the pastors and the deacons and pastors and other leaders in the church. Pray that the Lord 
protect us by the power of his name and with his presence so that we can walk in unity together. Does that mean that we're always going to agree on everything? Absolutely not. As we come with different human mindsets, different perspectives. And one of the things I talked about in staff meeting just this week, we come with different gifts. Some of the folks on our staff are, are gifted with a gift of mercy. Or they're gifted with a gift of encouragement. Others may be, may be gifted as teachers. Others gifted as prophets. And when you come at ministry from different perspectives like that, it, it would be easy to butt heads and say, well, you're not doing it the way I would. And certainly if you have a lead pastor who has to have it his way, it can create conflict. Pray, protect them by your name so they may walk in unity. How, how closely do we need to walk? Well, Jesus says the ideal is that, we, that, that, that the, these ministers walk as close as you and I do together, Father. <laughs> I don't know that we'll ever achieve that kind of unity. But we seek as a staff here at First Baptist Watauga to walk in unity together to serve the Lord. Pray that they remain faithful by finding joy in serving the Lord. He goes on to, to bring up this phrase again that we've seen previously in, in the last few chapters of John. He says, now that I'm coming to you, I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete in them. His prayer is that, that these 11 who are going to be launching the church are going to find joy in what they're doing. Well, that's kind of crazy. James is about to get his head chopped off not too long from now. How's he supposed to find joy in ministry when he's under the threat of, of assassination? Peter almost does. Certainly, we've talked about that in the past. Our, our joy does not come from things going easy. Our joy comes from what the Holy Spirit does inside of us in the midst of the difficulty and storm. These disciples are about to face incredible storms. Peter, uh, Jesus' prayer is that they would find joy in their calling what they're about to do. Now, let me, let me encourage you here because this is an area where, where you certainly need to be in prayer for your pastors and your pastoral leadership. I have a really good friend, and I know that he wouldn't mind sharing some of this story. He's, I met him as a, uh, in the dissertation work and PhD classes at Southwestern. He is a, a godly man, and I've just grown to love him. Loves to hunt and fish, and so that's not all that bad. Uh, he was a police officer for Arlington PD for 10 years before, actually, I think 12, before God called him to the ministry uh, and served on the SWAT team and, and as an information officer. And then God called him to the ministry, and he went from that to serving as pastor at First Baptist Church, Heiko, Texas, and went straight into his Master Divinity program. He, he went straight through that Master Divinity program, jumped into the PhD program in preaching and pastoral ministry, and went straight through. He actually uh, was a little bit behind me in classes, but finished well ahead of me because he pushed through, straight through. But what happened as he was dealing with all of that, he got burned out and, and almost left the ministry because of it. He and his wife were struggling with spiritual burnout as they walked straight through that. Now, this is not unusual. When I was taking early classes on pastoral ministry at Southwestern, I found out that five years after a completed MDiv, so you're talking about young men who have had four years of college, three to four years of a master divinity program, and then go into their first pastorate. Five years after they graduated, 33%, fully one-third or more, were out of the ministry already because they'd burned out. Ten years after 
Now you're looking at, at guys that have gone to school for 20 years, the last eight specifically because they believe they were called to the ministry. Ten years out, over 50% were out of the ministry. Now why is that? Well, I, I can tell you because Satan is out to destroy the leaders of the church. Now, you'd say, well, Satan tempts me, and Satan seeks to destroy my life, and I guarantee you that Satan would like to bring down every Christian, every confessing believer of Christ. But you understand, like I do, that the more responsibility and the higher position that someone serves in, the greater target you have on your back from the enemy. And your pastors, your leaders, even your deacons, if Satan can destroy their lives, he can draw them into to sin, public sin, and whatever that happens to be, he can, he can destroy the faith of many by doing that. So pray that they find joy in the ministry. Now, that, a pastor that's going through that, it may mean that he needs to rest. It may be that, that he needs to take a trip. Uh, one of the things that, that First Baptist Heiko did for, for Dace and his wife and family is they granted them an extended vacation. They took a sabbatical for four months. They had a pickup truck, they got a travel trailer, and they traveled for four months, came back, lit on fire, ready to go again. Well, I can tell you, I don't, I, I don't believe I was anywhere near burnout, but a couple weeks ago, as we walked through all the things we were doing at her First Baptist Watauga, I had finally graduated with a PhD. I had then uh, remodeled two offices and led that effort and did quite a bit of it on my own, and then uh, starting to deal with the personnel issues. I was ready to take a break. And Susan and I spent two weeks spending time alone with the Lord in, in the grandeur of what He created. And by Sunday night, last Sunday night, I was ready to get back to work. I was ready to get back here and get back to doing what the Lord had called me to. So pray, pray for your pastors to be encouraged that they might find joy in the ministry. Now, it may come to a point where a pastor gets so burned out that there, he no longer finds joy. Then at that point, he needs to be out. He doesn't need to be trying to, trying to just keep a job. If you're, not, if you're not finding joy in the ministry God's called you to, if, 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 you either need a break or you need to quit. <laughs> you need to get out of it. So Jesus is praying here that they remain faithful, not fall to the, to the, to the temptations of the enemy, that, to, to remain in unity, that they might remain faithful until the end of their ministry. So we pray for our church leaders. We pray that they glorify Christ. We pray that they remain faithful. And then finally, we pray that they be sanctified in Christ by the Word of God. That the, the primary process that is working in the pastor's heart and in the pastor's soul to make him the pastor that he's called to be is the Word of God. That it's the truth of God's Word that's at work in his life so that he doesn't turn away to error, so that he doesn't turn away to false teaching. Pray that your pastor be sanctified by the Word of God. One of the, the, the pictures here that I want to give you, and, and Really, for most anybody in, in here, it's, it's not something that we're as familiar with. But in bygone days, some of you may be old enough to remember this. Kirby might be, I don't know, maybe one or two others. But in bygone days, the place that I come to on Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday and Saturday, to get alone with myself and to get alone with my Bible and to spend time preparing to preach the Word of God, that used to be called 
the pastor's study. There was a reason for that. Because we believe that the number one job of a pastor, we believed, was to be in God's Word, soaking up God's Word, studying God's Word so that he could proclaim God's Word. But the vast majority of churches, and I'll confess that this is the struggle that I have as well, is we no longer call it the pastor's study. We call it the pastor's office. Because we've bought into the idea of some type of corporate or business model in the church. And we've asked our pastors to, to, to focus on all kinds of things, and there's nothing there are a lot of things in pastoral ministry that we have to do. There are a lot of decisions that have to be made. But the primary focus ought to always be the Word of God. And if it's not the Word of God, we are missing the point. So pray that your pastor focus on the Word of God, that he be sanctified by the Word of God, that he hold on to the truth of the Word of God, that he be transformed by the Word of God, and then he proclaim the Word of God. Because if it is not for the Word of God, if the Word of God is not central to who we are as a church, we are not fulfilling the purposes for which God has called us as a church. God's Word has to be the tool that God is using to transform and sanctify the pastor, the leaders. So Jesus prays for those 11, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. And then he closes by saying, I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. So just as we're called to be sanctified by the Word of God, we're called to be sanctified by resting in the presence of Christ. Jesus has sanctified himself as truth so that we can be sanctified in the truth. Why is it so important? Like I said, this is a strange message with strange application. One, I think the Lord in His sovereignty brought us to this passage today as we see Kevin go to a new ministry field so that we better understand that he doesn't belong to us, he belongs to God. Our focus is not about First Baptist Wataga, our focus is about the kingdom of God. When, when we look at those young men that God's raising up in our church, if we don't give them opportunity to grow, we're missing out on an opportunity to be part of what God's doing in His kingdom, Okay. I think that's part of it. But here's another part. There's a, a verse that has really gotten a hold of my heart and bothered me to some extent as I walk through my, my journey in this pastoral ministry degree. And that's a passage from Hebrews 13, 17, and, uh, and then verse 18 to follow quickly. This is a passage a lot of pastors don't like to preach, and a lot of church members don't like to hear because of the way it starts. The way it starts is not what bothers me. It's the way it ends that bothers me. It starts by this. The writer of Hebrews telling the church, obey your leaders. Well, it's kind of hard for a pastor to stand up and say, obey me. You know, that's not where I'm coming from. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account. God has placed a responsibility on your pastors, on your spiritual leaders, as men who will give an account for your soul. Not that if you refuse to, to put your faith in Christ after I've given you the gospel, if, if that's on you. But if I refuse to tell you, 
or I refuse to love you, or I refuse to encourage you, or I refuse to be there to feed you as a shepherd, that's on me. And I'll give an account to God for that. That is a weighty responsibility for anyone who takes on the calling of a pastor. And so, the very next verse, the writer of Hebrews says, pray for us. Pray for us. Yes. The job is challenging. The calling is, is, is difficult. The stakes are the highest of any calling in the world. A brain surgeon makes a whole lot more money than a pastor. And if a brain surgeon makes a fine mistake, a small bobble when he's doing surgery, it could cost someone their life. But a pastor who falls, who refuses to remain faithful, who, who does not preach God's Word, could cost multitudes their soul for eternity. So pray for us. Pray for Kevin as he prepares to go. Pray for Nathan as we believe God's calling him to step into a new position. Pray for us. And pay attention to your own soul. Because just as I said, you're praying for pastors to glorify Christ, to remain faithful, and to be sanctified by Christ. Remember, that's also your call. You've also been called to remain faithful, to point to Jesus, and to be sanctified by the Word of Christ. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.